0: If we were to personify the seasons, for winter, we might use words like hard, impersonal, distant, cruel, perhaps. And for summer, we might either choose something like carefree or lazy or angry and steaming. There's no telling how many millions and billions of ways we could describe any of these seasons. But when I think of spring, I think of her compassion. She knows the darkness that we've been in and returns to show us the way out of our hibernation caves. And she cheers us towards fresh looks, and new beginnings. Compassion and growth are both natural parts of all humans. When we include them in our lives, we find that we have more peace and better balance. Like the protective stalks that buds must push through That which stands in our way is most often of our own making. We are all that stands in our way. And the way we break out of the winter shells is by waking from anesthetizing habits and patterns to create new life. Each year as a plant enters its spring cycle, it reaches New configurations that it did not have last year. True? I mean, they don't grow in exactly the same way. Different angles from different places, even though it needs the same things and continues to reach for those same things that will feed it. Sun, water, and nutrients. Roots go deeper at the same time the the tender shoots spring up. Leaves and branches stretch farther beyond themselves than they did last year. Seeking that which feeds it, it takes a brand new path every single year. No matter how many years it grows, and no matter how carefully someone from the outside might try to prune it, It's never the same, twice. The plant will not duplicate the patterns it has followed before. As surely as the colors and contours change beyond this window, we experience cycling seasons in our lives, and I don't think it's just one time through as we tend to paint it. But rather, I believe that we strain ourselves and our natural inclinations by trying to keep from cycling through them more often. Why, when all of nature perpetually demonstrates for us in resplendent form that life is change, Why do we so desperately struggle against change? Compassion and growth are part of nature, and they're part of human life. I think it's because we truly believe that in spite of all the evidence that surrounds us, we believe that changing is harder than remaining the same. because we resist change, I think that feeds into making it more difficult. We fix our ideas and uh, habits of thought. For example, about people. Even when it's based on our experience, if our uh, ideas remain rigidly fixed, they're not growing they're not reaching for the sun in new ways having our ideas fixed means that our roots also can't grow they become it's like we've set boxes up for ourselves containers that we that our routines and habits the things we do, the places we go, the people we see, the ideas we will include, the ideas we won't include, the um, opinions we have about certain things. We make boxes with these and we become root bound. I think that it makes it harder for us to break those patterns, the longer that we stay in them. Because we have disfigured our natural growth patterns that include compassion and change, we now require more intentional corrective measures than we would have otherwise. It may take radical measures to move through our past or move through and past The containers we've created. But humans cannot thrive or survive long in boxes. Spring has come again to provide us light for examining the darker corners of our patterns. Maybe holding someone else responsible for some part of our existence and condition. Maybe it's a resentment that we have for someone who's injured us in the past. Maybe it's biases that have gone unchallenged for some time. Maybe changing one thing in our internal landscape will be enough to begin the process of real change. It's not just the externals. That kind of change doesn't come automatically when we've trained ourselves not to do it. It could be that intentionally learning how to listen deeply and care about what someone who has previously been very challenging for us is saying could break us through a barrier that holds us back. Each habit of thought or behavior that we carry to the light generates new room to grow. Identify, release, find new balance and comfort. Identify, forgive, find deeper meaning. Identify, expand, find joie de vivre. Intentionally freeing our roots and directing our own branches is an option not as easily afforded vegetation. We do have our advantages over being plants. I'm sure there are disadvantages too. (laughs) But the process of radical change is seldom smooth and will invariably involve bumps and bruises as we learn to navigate in new ways in new places. Have you ever watched a baby learn how to walk? Have you ever watched someone try to learn how to ride a bicycle? I am currently learning, I am currently watching someone learn how to drive. (laughs) These things aren't pretty. (laughs) They may be endearing, but for the people that are doing them, they're challenging, and often for the people around them, they are challenging. But nevertheless, it's a part of learning to navigate in new ways. So far this morning, I've spoken predominantly in terms of us as individuals, but what about us as a community? Here, too, we have notions that have become stagnant and need refreshing each year, every year. The most prophetic things that we can do as a church may well go against not only our own tradition, but maybe even against conventional wisdom altogether. (sighs) Maybe. If our patterns of practice have set in our path obstacles that distract us from the light of being faithful to our principles then we may need to consider taking more drastic measures to create new growth. To knock us free from being root bound. We may need to go radically green, even if it were to cost us the comfort of spoils that prove to be unacceptably destructible, Destructive so that generations that come after us can enjoy a spring at all. We may need to become radically or visibly active for equal rights to all of the people that we welcome in our opening spiel. So that in spite of all the scientific data, that supports welcoming all people. These people won't continue to be socially marginalized. Maybe as a congregation we need to to learn how to give up our self-serving biases and comforts, to listen more deeply and lovingly and compassionately to those we have previously had difficulty tolerating. While I was a student at Centenary, one of the books I had to read was A History of God by Karen Armstrong. Karen Armstrong is a religious scholar and a former nun. And a little more than a week ago, she was on Bill Moyer's show talking about her new project, which is called the Charter for Compassion. The Charter for Compassion is an international effort, and it's her effort to pull together multi-faith, multinational groups, and she's assembled religious thinkers and religious leaders who are all willing to participate in the Charter so that after months of online being open to contributions from anyone, these people will take those contributions and their own ideas and form a charter such that can generate the principles of the golden rule in societies around the world. And the version of of the golden rule that they're using is, do not do to others what would be hurtful if it were done to you rather than assuming that we know what might be good for someone else. In the preamble that they've set up kind of as the boilerplate for the Charter of Compassion, that is the version that they put online so that people could add their thoughts about it or make edits or just, just for a place to start, uh, the preamble reads like this. Compassion is a key and universal value in all faiths. The most urgent task of our time is to build a global community around this idea, where all peoples of the world can live together in harmony, appreciation, and mutual respect. If we fail to achieve this, it is unlikely that we will have a viable world to hand on to the next generation. We believe that the religions of the world have a unique contribution to make, and that is why we have issued this Charter of Compassion. The Charter is not speaking about a mere feeling. It's talking about behaviors that we as humans seem to know how to use, but also seem to forget if it's convenient or, or often if we're afraid. Even though it doesn't seem to be the rule for people internationally to employ compassion in all their relations, there are positive indicators Things that, about which we can be hopeful. And one of those refers to the uh, International World Water Day reference. This year, the focus in uh, World Water Day is fresh water that's transboundary waters. Those waters that are between various countries and uh, territories. And what they have told us is that in the last decade... No, in the last 60 years, there have been more than 200 international water agreements and only 37 cases of violence between states over water. That's better odds than when we have to share other resources. Maybe in some circumstances we're slowly growing and beginning to learn the ways of compassion. But now back to us. I maintain that if we care for one another, if we have compassion for the world and if that care and compassion become deep enough We'd have to beat people away from this place even if it was right next door to a water treatment plant. And if we were not so profound and if we were not so profoundly kind, caring and compassionate, it will not care, it will not matter. It will not draw people and retain those seeking real spiritual food and nurture, even if we build King Solomon's Temple. Only as we grow and thrive in our own personal spiritual lives will community grow and thrive. And it can take little things to change us. But one of those little things has to be the courage to try. There are living examples around us almost everywhere we look. Spring has come again to compassionately show us the way.